Good evening, my silly little brethren. That's me. I'm the silliest guy. Welcome to Someone Greater Podcast. A podcast about homebrew and homies. We're going to talk about some items today. Yeah. Because you left us on a cliffhanger. I left last you on week. a cliffhanger. You said you were going to talk about something. Been a lot longer for y'all than it has been for us. Yeah, it's been about nine minutes for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I so this is this is the intersection of a couple conundrums that I've had when when really? thinking about items. And is it? I'm it, so sorry. You sounded like Jeff uh, Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> This is the intersection. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I could do a pretty good Jeff Goldblum. I think you really could. God, I'm so sorry. I completely reeled that. <laughs> no, you're good. We were at an intersection. I, I oh, I'm gonna have to make that a villain. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I will throw Jeff Goldblum at y'all. Fuck yes. You know Justin will weep tears of joy. So, we were we were talking about a little bit last episode about progression and we discussed how uh leveling is the easiest way to do that but can't be the only one lest you get too far ahead of your own pacing and things get too crazy and you kill god too quickly yeah one of the other things you can do is introduce an absolute manic plethora of magic items I love manic plethoras, especially of magic items. <laughs> Not the order I thought you were going to go. <laughs> I really thought you were going to go like, I love magic items, and I love a magic plethora of them. <laughs> what does it mean that you went the other way? <laughs> I have no idea. I am the loot whore in every campaign that I play. Dude, it's a good thing to be, I think. Well, that's good. Go on. No, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I want it all. I want, is there something on the floor? Give it to me. Put it in my yeah. pocket. I will attune to it. It's very It's very funny to see only Sophia get annoyed with it. <laughs> when it's you so ask, fucking like, funny. Like, what's in his pockets? <laughs> what's in his pockets? And she goes, well, <laughs> I don't know. What's really funny is um, the fact that looting has been historically where I get 90% of my natural 20s. Uh, yeah. Except in the last session, sadly, I got like a nine. Uh, and I didn't find yeah. anything. Yeah. So instead, as a consolation prize, I ripped out the dude's teeth and yeah. horns. Yeah, As you, you found do. something. As one does. Make your own treasure. Exactly. You know? See? Um when you're when you're playing in the dried corn bin of life, if there's nothing at the bottom, you just grab a handful of corn. What do you mean? <laughs> if there's nothing hidden at the bottom of the dried corn bin of life, you just got to grab <laughs> a handful of corn and make the best of it. I'm not going to chase this. I'm going to hurt this. <laughs> I'm not asking. <laughs> <laughs> Something I feel like you have to always be prepared for when uh, your players are inevitably going to ask you for loot mm -hmm. is... The Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. <laughs> Something I feel like you should always have 
prepared for the player who asks is a weapon and or a piece of armor. Yeah. Because the guy you just fought is carrying something. Probably. Yeah. You know what else doesn't get used anywhere near enough as loot? What? Potions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least in our experience, I, I'm sure this varies table to table, but like, yeah, that's true. We we are historically fairly low loot, yeah, across our tables. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> which you know is an absolute tragedy. Don't look into the camera, <laughs> please help me. I need more loot. Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> So I was I was thinking about like just just some just some little shit with like like interesting utility effects that you can give to your players just to at the very least, you know, replace their you know, plus nothing short sword. Yeah. Or spear that or they've had. Or just like a fucking regular ass plus one something or other. Like Yeah. Yay, it's a magic item. It's plus one weapons. Like, I understand the concept of plus one, plus two, plus three. Plus one weapons are, like, honestly some of the most disappointing loot to get in the entire game. Like, I'd almost rather just have a regular-ass fucking greatsword than a plus one greatsword. I I think so, yeah. (laughs) I've got something that fits a similar rarity, but is just, just the slightest bit more interesting than your basic short spear, as it were, in this instance. Hell yeah. This is an item from Out of the Abyss, the source book. Oh, the um, Descent into Avernus? No. No, Out of the Abyss. It's just Out of the Abyss, isn't it? That's There's the name no of the other book. title. I thought that was like a subtitle. Um, no, it's just called Out of the Abyss. Yeah. I always forget about that book because I'm always thinking like Descended to Avernus or like a Baldur's Gate something or other. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an adventure <laughs> that happens in the Underdark. Yeah, not of, in the uh, Hells, in the Underdark. A lot of drow shit going on. Good. Mm-hmm. Good for them, honestly. Um, I want this book for Christmas after, after looking into it just a little bit. <laughs> there are these guys called the Darrow. D-E-R-R-O. Um, they're they're kind of like, like dark... Dwarves, to my understanding, dwarves. Um, and they they mob you, and then they knock you on the ground repeatedly. And how they do that is by flanking you and then hitting you with this: the hooked short spear. Hooked short spear. Oh, please tell me it's like. I love when weapons have just any kind of alternate effect. Yeah. This is this is so simple and so so lovely. This you'll you'll get the interaction or the encounter rather uh, that happens when when I explain how this works. Um, the wielder can use this weapon to force the target to make a strength saving throw, falling prone on a failure. Use this way, the weapon causes no damage. God, I fucking love these. Things. You you fight like six to eight of these guys. That's that's an annoying bitch of an encounter. Yeah. Especially, um, I've always wanted to use the um, hooked swords. Oh, they, ha- they have like the square, like hand guard. Kind oh of yeah, thing, and then the hook. On Interesting. The yeah, you could do a similar thing with that. I bet. 
I, I, I don't have the stats for that in front of me, but I imagine it works similarly. I mean, I'd probably make it do the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after after this encounter, anyone who asks for loot would just see this and be like, yeah, you can pick that up. And it doesn't do a lot of damage. It's 1d4 piercing. It's not got a lot going on. Right. But like, you know, it's it it's exactly the criteria you just laid out where you said I just want something that does just a minor effect that is more interesting <laughs> than just giving someone a plus one short sword. Yeah, exactly. I feel like this is a little bit more interesting than that. It totally is because the other thing that I I think a lot of people don't think about when they're considering like building a, a homebrew magic item or something like that, or a new weapon or something like that, giving it more damage is far more likely to not actually impact the usage of the item mm-hmm. than giving it a utility effect. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Because with utility effects, you can strategize. And you can like actually like work with your party members, like with the the hook spear. If you knock somebody prone, up comes your rogue. There's sneak attack damage. Yeah, because now they have advantage on melee attacks because the enemy's prone. Yeah, yeah. This also speaks to um, some some comments that we've gotten on on recent shorts that I've uploaded, mm. uh, where. We we talk about magic items, um, uh, particularly like like in the case of um, you know the the runic ham- the hammer of runic force I think it was, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. or the the bow of melodies. Um, some what uh, one comment I've seen like a few times is uh, this weapon doesn't really sound like all that like yeah like, it's it's not it's not that great it's not that special but like you need those. To exist, mm-hmm. you, not every magic weapon can be fantastic or should be. Right, and the other thing too, I've seen um, specifically on the uh, the runic hammer short. There was a, a a big fight on one of the uh, the shorts between um, was the mechanics of the weapon any good versus mm. some other person coming in saying it's not about the mechanics, it's about the flavor. Uh, yeah, and I think that's equally valid Mm -hmm. um both comments honestly Mm -hmm. like if you want a plus three hammer you're not gonna want the hammer of runic focus you're gonna want just a plus three hammer so go get the plus three hammer Mm -hmm. but if you want flavor if you're building your character around a theme you don't want just a plain old plus three hammer you're Mm -hmm. gonna want the hammer of runic focus yeah you know that they are both right like the the guy who first commented, you know, the the min maxer, I'll call him, yeah. uh, <laughs> is right in that, like, you know, in most instances, you would you would much sooner, in every instance, if you had a choice, you would sooner pick up the plus three hammer, right? Because like, there are no conditions you should to do be that. met. Yeah, yeah. The discrepancy in the argument I'm about to make is is the rarity level, but frankly, there aren't that many rarity levels. And honestly, if your DM is holding that strictly to like how often you find something of a specific rarity level, exactly, you're being like, a little too picky. It's a little obtuse to DM that way. I think. Yeah. Also, like if you see an item specifically again, like the, the, the hammer of runic focus, yeah. that is a very high rarity level, 
but it functions like it should be a lower rarity level, mm-hmm. don't make it cost as much. Don't yeah. make it as hard to find. Yeah, just tweak that shit. Yeah, it's so easy to do that. Like, yeah, I would I would introduce <laughs> the the opportunity to get the hammer of runic focus far sooner than I would the plus three hammer. Yeah, um, because the plus three hammer is just better yeah. wholesale. Um, but hammer of runic focus is really cool <laughs> and. Uh, like like the flavor guy said in response, um, the the well flavored weapons are sometimes the ones that you want to stick with just on principle because you know because of the experiences you have using them. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot of value to that opinion personally because mm-hmm. there was another comment on there later where they said, "Oh my gosh, you could pair this weapon, the hammer of runic focus, with the sentinel feet." Yep. And just like attack of opportunity, you cannot leave the aura. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's that's so cool!" Mm-hmm. Like it's again, if you're playing for cool factor, I think you're winning. Mm-hmm. If you're playing for I want to deal as much damage as humanly possible in one single turn, I think you are also winning. I think you're just playing two different games. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. Um, and they they are more or less <laughs> appropriate depending on the table you're sitting at. Yeah. Very much so. I agree with that. In our case, a lot of the time, it, we're, we're a flavor table. Yeah, we are a very flavor and table. And I love that for us. I'm I'm the closest thing we have to a min-maxer at our table. Yeah, and like, in the grand scheme of things, you're not really. No, I'm nowhere near as bad as a lot of people. Like, I still choose the races of my characters based on what I want the race to be and how yeah. cool I think it will be. I'm not going and being like okay well i know there's going to be a lot of spell casters in this world so i'm going to play a gnome because they mm-hmm. get advantage on saves against spells yeah. or something like that like i'm not min maxing that hard mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're playing like a really hardcore like intense combat focused campaign there's a lot to be said for that like mm-hmm. pick a pick a character that you know can stand up to it and survive that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that you know D&D well enough to be able to make those decisions is really fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I've been I've been thinking a lot about these kinds of weapons that just have like a little bit of utility to them. And uh often when I am trying to brainstorm shit for D&D, I will turn to Xenoblade. That's right. We're talking about that again. <laughs> Surprise. It's Xenoblade again. This will happen again, and I don't apologize. Um, and I, I have to, I have to take a second to vent my frustrations about um, how how the weapons work in the first game. Um, every every main party member has a specific type of weapon that they use, and you will uh, throughout the game get loot of of every type of weapon um and you know you're you're constantly like looking for upgrades for all of your characters Mm -hmm. um just you know standard mmo type shit a lot of a lot of the mechanics that appear in in all the xenoblade games but especially the first one are stuff that would be very recognizable to a a legacy mmo player Mm mm-hmm Weapons in Xenoblade work sort of similarly 
in practice to weapons in Final Fantasy VII, in which you have a, a certain number of uh, augment slots or gem slots, as as they are in Xenoblade. Um, you know, typically like like the lowest rarity level of any type of weapon um, will have no slots, and then you can find like uh, variations of it with one to three open gem slots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you can craft these gems that have all, all sorts of different effects. You know, you get like resistance to certain debuffs or um, a a higher percentage chance to inflict certain debuffs or like a a passive buff equipable gem that you can you can slot on your weapons like all an incredible amount of different effects um sometimes though you will pick up weapons that are labeled with a little u for unique that uh, or or unequipable if i think people have i've heard people use both (laughs) um that come with two to three unequipable gems already slotted in and these these weapons in fr- from a role play perspective are designed to be like you know weapons that have innate attributes yeah i was gonna say when you say unequipable gem slots like those are gems that you normally could not apply to that weapon at all or can't apply to anything else right yeah yeah okay, cool. like like when you when you are done using that weapon, you can't pull the gems out of it like you normally would and reuse them for something else. Like those gems will stay with that weapon. Gotcha. There's there's this one, a totally random one that I landed on, uh, called the Safe Driver. It's a uh, it, it's th- this is a weapon that uh, the your party member called Ryan can pick up. Love Ryan so much. <laughs> um, I I have definitely I've worn a shirt on this podcast that that is a reference to a thing that he says very often. <laughs> um I okay, first of all I need to I need to show you what Ryan's weapons look like because oh God. the concept is is a little bit overdesigned uh and I love it. Um so this this oh, is Oh yeah, it's these. Yeah, this is Fuck a scrap yeah. driver. It's it's a sword and a shield and a gun. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. And I enjoy it. Every weapon that Ryan can pick up, including the safe driver, which is this one. Mm. Um, this this comes with unequipable gems. Debuff resist three, all debuffs. 20% chance to resist them on hit. Uh, topple resist four and daze resist four. The theming is powerful here because this is meant to invoke a very stalwart, you know, blocker of a weapon yeah. um, that is meant to keep you upright. So that got me thinking, I'm like, is is there a shield or an item at all in D&D that is meant to do that, is meant to keep you from falling prone? And I couldn't find anything. So my my thought along the lines of, you know, just having some fairly basic weapons that have some really interesting uh, utility buffs to them is a tower shield that gives you immunity to the prone condition. Yeah. I couldn't find anything like that. Huh. There's nothing that specifically prevents the prone condition. And like, why not? Might as well. Yeah, that is a really good point. And for that matter, while <laughs> this while this safe driver also prevents days, you could you could throw on the the also prevents like like stunned or something. 
Yeah, there's a lot you can do with that. I think it would be really cool to kind of take from paladin auras mm-hmm. and take like the concept of like while you are within this area, blah, 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 you are immune to X effect, X mm-hmm. effect, X effect. And to just apply those to a weapon and it's like while you are wielding rather than while you are within the aura. Yeah. To that end, though, while I was thinking about shields, I, I went looking for more magic shields. Oh, yeah. Um, and I found a rather interesting one. Mm. This is technically a cursed weapon. Ooh, we love those. But uh, I, I feel like the positives far outweigh the negatives here. Yeah. Uh, this is the shield of missile attraction. <laughs> Do you know this? I know this one. You'll have to remind me exactly what it does because the wording on this was always what got me. But I, I love I love the concept it's very of this cool. fucking gun or weapon. Now, bear in mind, this is a cursed weapon. Uh, attuning to it curses you until you are targeted by the remove curse spell or similar magic. Removing the shield fails to end the curse on you. So you can unequip this shield, but you will retain <laughs> you will retain the <laughs> negative effect, which is interesting. God, um, so, but while you're so holding it, I feel like the negative effect is kind of awesome. Whenever a ranged weapon attack is made against a target within 10 feet of you, the curse causes you to become the target instead. You're a black hole for projectiles. Kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of it. Other than that, it's, it's a normal shield. It increases your armor class by two and everything. That's it's such a cool shield to give to like a paladin or yeah. a barbarian yes. or something like that. Because fucking, I always forget this. Barbarians can use their unarmored defense and a shield. Mm-hmm. Always forget that shit. It's that is a wild <clears throat> thing that they have. Yeah, I forget that all the time. Also, but yeah, man, fucking, you just hand that to a tank and you're like, all right, exactly. I'm, I'm really sorry for what you have to go through, but uh, take some arrows. Have fun. <laughs> this is one of those really interesting cursed items that I could also just see someone who's decided to be the dedicated tank picking up on their own volition. Yeah, I'm looking up right now because I want to find out monks cannot use shields. No. And benefit from their unarmored defense. I, I get what you're going for, however. Yeah, no, that that would be fucking stupid. That'd be insane. However, when you remove the shield, you fail to end the curse. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so you can do what you're yeah. thinking of here. Well, yes, but you also you don't get the resistance, though, because the curse still, still applies to you. You no longer have resistance to damage from ranged weapons, and you no longer have the plus two to armor class. You're still a black hole for projectiles. Yeah, and however, what I was going for with the monk thing Uh was that monks get an ability called, where is it? Deflect missiles. Yeah. Yeah, you can use your reaction to deflect or catch the missile when you are hit by a ranged weapon attack. When you do so, the damage you take from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus your Mm -hmm. dexterity plus your monk level. This would be a very funny curse for a high level monk to have <laughs> what's oh god oh god what's actually <laughs> what's really fucking funny mm-hmm. is that theoretically <laughs> you could do a monk barbarian multi-class 
How does that interaction happen? So the two different unarmored defense um, abilities, we just ran into this not too long ago when trying to figure out um, my character in Sophia's campaign Mm -hmm. because they are both what we in the Magic the Gathering world will call replacement effects. So they do not stack. When you are determining your armor class, you choose one unarmored defense or the other. Oh. Well, shit. Yeah. So if you have decent dexterity, decent wisdom, decent constitution, Mm -hmm. that's all you need. You can pretty much dump every other stat if you want to. Mm Mm-hmm. You would wind up using the Barbarian's Unarmored Defense using your Dexterity and your Constitution modifier Mm -hmm. to determine armor class, which will then allow you to use the shield and still benefit from the Unarmored Defense. But then your multi-class into Monk, if you have uh, at least three levels, you still get Deflect Missiles. Holy... That's pretty good. Uh-huh. Wow. On top of the fact that as you level up in Monk, your unarmor- your uh, unarmed attacks increase. So if you're just running a fucking barbarian with just shield and beatdown, that's kind of sick. That's, that's cool. That's kind of fucking yeah, sick. I like that. Especially because, like, you'd really theoretically, you'd really only need to take a few levels of barbarian, and then you can take like all the rest in monk. Mm-hmm. So you would still get the movement bonuses. You would still get all the dope monk shit, but you gain the ability to use a shield and still have unarmored defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, circling back to the shield, though. So fucking fun. Yeah. So fun, yeah. dude. I like that type of shit. I agree with you 100%. I think this the the benefits far outweigh the curse. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for for most for most characters that would pick up a shield, I think so. Yeah. Do are are you down to just like spitball some shit here? Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, cool. Um cuz <laughs> I I down to spitball. I mean, summon greater podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm kind of just scrolling uh, uh, Xenoblade unique weapons because a lot of times what happens in this game is is you pick up a a really well themed and interesting unique weapon. You know, it, it looks way different than anything you've picked up, and it's got a sick ass name to it, but it doesn't fit the optimal build for the character. Oh yeah, that hurts. For example, there's this this there are several awesome uh weapons that uh this character called dunban can pick up dunban dunban i love dunban <laughs> um ooh, gotta, i gotta make a build for him someday he's a he is a samurai of some sort but maybe not entirely mm. um there there are uh 10 legendary blades throughout the game that he can pick up the game does not make a big deal out of them it's it's a very like lore in the item descriptions type thing just very subtle and like i it, it's something that only the first game does that i love a lot here are here are the unequipable gems that this one has art stealth 
Back Attack Plus and First Attack Plus. Art Stealth. Art Stealth. So in in Xenoblade, you your attacks are divided into two into two categories. Kind of, you have your auto attacks, which is like you know a, a basic. Yeah, it's like a passive. Yeah, yeah. You just when you are close enough, you you swing, um, and do a, a range of damage. Um, and then you have your arts palette that has like, you know, your your actions, your Pokemon. Oh, moves, okay, right? yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot what arts was referring yeah. to. So yeah, when when you use when you use arts, you are less likely to gain aggro Ooh, from that action. That's nice. Um, and then. Back attack, you more you do more damage from behind, and first attack, your first attack of the battle does more damage, which in Xenoblade is, a, in my opinion, a rather negligible effect. I don't understand why you would use that, <laughs> but this is a very interestingly themed weapon. Unfortunately, Dunban is designed to be an evasion tank. Oh. Oh, that's unfortunate. At, at least in most party builds. There, there, are, there are builds where you can you can probably play him too... <laughs> the strengths of this weapon and I, I should think about doing a run like that sometime but like like in most instances you you wouldn't use this so i want to talk about instances where maybe we would in D. who would pick this up who like of our characters who that are currently more as currently as a build what class you know what role picks this up okay walk me through the gems one more time so i can just kind of so art stealth art stealth you're you're Drawing aggro less, obviously aggro isn't as much of a thing. That's it's more up to the DM, but something to consider and and expand mm-hmm. on. Uh, back attack plus and first attack plus. Oh, this is a rogue weapon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm imagining art stealth would be more along the lines of an innate ability to when you hit with an attack. You know, no, I think it would be when you miss with an attack, you get the opportunity, you get a chance to immediately make a stealth check Oh, to hide from the enemy. That's interesting. Cause I think if, if you made it to where it was like on, on a hit, I, I just feel like it wouldn't make as much sense. Mm-hmm. But like on a, if you miss, you can immediately hide mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then back strike plus and first strike, whatever they were. Um, that sounds a lot like abilities that rogues already have, like assassinate. Yeah. Or like if you're attacking someone that hasn't moved yet in combat, you get an automatic crit or something. I don't remember the exact wording mm-hmm. of it, but, <clears throat> and then back strike that one. I feel like I would give the weapon itself um, maybe an additional damage dice when you land an attack while you have the flanking um, effect. Status, yeah. yeah. Yeah, status or something. Yeah, while you are flanking an enemy with another ally, you gain a, an additional weapon dice mm-hmm. for your damage if you hit. <clears throat> that makes sense to me. Yeah. I think that would be a really, really fun one to play around with. Yeah. Here's something for you. Yeah. I'm going to kind of take us in a little bit different direction here. Let's imagine 
we're in a D&D campaign that uses firearms. Mm-hmm. And they are very, very um, prominent. They're everywhere. Okay. Everybody's got a gun. Like, you would use guns instead of swords kind mm-hmm. of a thing. <clears throat> so, I guess you could technically kind of say, like, cyberpunk-esque, but doesn't necessarily need to be. <clears throat> the reason I say this... Oddly enough, that is the first game I thought of. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. reason I uh, go this direction is because we have mentioned this before. I have very briefly talked about this before. I used to play a lot of Destiny. Sure did. What Destiny is known for is its exotic weapons. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some exotic armors as well, and we could talk about those too, but I wanted to talk about the exotic weapons specifically because <clears throat> there is one exotic weapon in particular that just means a lot to the Destiny community because it belongs to a character who has passed away in the lore and everyone's fucking sad about mm-hmm. it. This exotic weapon is called the Ace of Spades. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it is a hand cannon, which is a revolver. Um, belonged to Cade Six, okay. a very, very beloved character in the game. Um, but this revolver, Ace of Spades, was his weapon. I have always always wanted to play like a destiny D and D campaign. The theming and environments are, it's very D and D coded. Yeah, actually like, very. Yeah. You're just using guns. It gives me, it gives me spell jammer vibes. Ooh. Oh yeah, right? dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so ace of spades abilities and perks, they call them. I want so badly to translate into D and D so freaking badly. Um, the primary most notable exotic perk this weapon has reloading after a kill loads the magazine with a few extra damage bullets. Um, it also, um, it grants you radar while aiming down the sights, which is a mechanic in destiny. You have a little proximity radar, but when you go ADS with your guns, when you aim down the sights, proximity radar goes away. It's supposed to just be like, okay, you're focusing on the thing. You no longer get to focus on what's around you. But with Ace of Spades, when you aim down the sights, the proximity radar stays up. So it's supposed to be like, helps you with your awareness and whatever. And also reloading after a kill, adding extra damaging bullets in there. Really nice. It also has the perk called Firefly. Precision kills with this weapon increase reload speed and cause the target to explode dealing solar damage to nearby enemies. Okay. Let's let's take a minute to adapt that. Uh-huh. Um what's a what's a precision kill? Um it would essentially be a critical hit. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So So precision kill is a headshot. Okay. In Destiny. Got it, got it. <coughs> um so just like they explode? Yes. It is quite literally an explosion. Well, that's fun. And it deals splash damage. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Um, what do you think for, specifically for Firefly, the precision kills and explosions? If you're adapting that literally, <laughs> and this this causes an indiscriminate explosion in a certain radius, 10 feet, say. 
yeah, when when you kill an enemy sense. with it, uh, or just land a crit. Um, I I would I would adapt precision kills to be when you kill an enemy with this weapon. Okay. Uh, in D and D, I mm-hmm. would. Yeah, yeah. Um, because crits are rather inconsistent, but uh, landing headshots is is a layer of skill. I actually had a really interesting idea. For what what you think? If we say for Firefly, um, <clears throat> if we say when you land a critical hit, the explosion happens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Going back up to the previous perk, Memento Mori, reloading after a kill loads the magazine with a few extra damage bullets. What if instead of extra damage bullets, when you get a kill with this weapon increase your critical hit range by one for a certain amount of time. There's an idea. And you could have it stack. Uh-huh. So if you <clears throat> go do what would technically be called ad clear in Destiny, yeah. if you go do ad clear, if you're in a boss fight in D&D and there's like one big boss and six or seven little things if you let the rest of your party kind of handle, like keep the big guy distracted and you go pop, 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 pop and take out four or five of the little ones. Yeah. All of a sudden your critical hit range is increased from 20 to like 17 to 20. Mm -hmm. And then if you go for the big guy and you land that crit, then you get the splash. This is sort of like the, the, Desperado effect. Yes, that we were talking yes, about. Yes, yeah. thank you. I was so hoping that you would connect <laughs> yeah. that. Yes, very yeah. much. Um, I like that concept a lot, and I think, I think you would need to compensate for it by making the base damage dice kind of modest. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, like two d four sounds sort of appropriate for this. I was honestly, I was almost just gonna say like. 1d8 a d8 um on dnd beyond i don't know what source book this is from but the standard pistol um deals 1d10 piercing damage Mm -hmm. okay has a range of 30 feet to 90 feet i feel like i would reduce the damage to like 1d8 and then increase the range. I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, especially because, like, the pistol pistol, which is, like, a smaller gun, is 1d10. The revolver is 2d8 piercing with a range of 40, 120. What would you call a hand cannon between those two? Definitely a revolver. Yeah. Hand cannons are, in Destiny, they have some of the highest base damage among any gun in the game except for a sniper rifle. Right, okay. So they're meant to be like you can have your auto rifles which are basically assault rifles yeah. that will do a bunch of damage over time with higher magazine capacities whatever. Um hand cannons are very much slower shots but they are meant to have way more recoil and do way more damage. Yeah. Can you send me the page you're looking at here? For the equipment? Uh, yeah. User. 
<clears throat> so I just pulled up um, on DMD Beyond under game rules. I pulled up equipment and then I just searched firearm in the search bar. Okay. Are these all from Matt Mercer here? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, some of them, like, the, I think the ones that are from the, like, either the Taldore book or something like that have the Exandria parentheses. I see. <clears throat> I see. Okay. But there are a few other ones that have been added in different things. Fucking would you would you still call this a one d eight with the revolver stats in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say reduce the damage because the the one thing that I might also add is when you do get a crit with the weapon, I feel like it would also do some fire damage in like as part of the crit in yeah. addition to the explosion. I think like, that makes sense. When you get a crit with it, I don't want it to just be like, oh, congratulations, now you get two d eight. Right. Which is what other revolvers usually do. Because honestly, you could even say that it deals 1d8 piercing and then like 1d6 fire damage. Mm -hmm. Just normally normal for damage. Yeah. Uh, That makes... kind of interesting. So a d8 piercing and d6 fire. Mm -hmm. Because then when you crit, you are going up to four dice instead of going up to two dice. Mm -hmm. Which I think just feels better. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the smooth grip trait here. Slightly mm-hmm. increases stability and handling speed. I think that's on a little bit more of the technical side, which is where I would say if you wanted to adapt all of the traits of a weapon, this might need to be like a quote-unquote source book of its own right. to turn Destiny weapons into D&D weapons, right. which I would fucking love to yes. do. <clears throat> but I think translating smooth grip... I think to me means that it does not take an action or bonus action or anything to draw the weapon. Like you can just pow. That makes part sense. Of, as part of your action. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, initially I was, I was thinking maybe it's redundant with um, the, the higher crit ability of the weapon. Uh, like, like mm. if it's easier to handle, you know, um, but I think that is a cool effect, and that makes sense to me. Yeah, because especially if you think about, like, handling speed would be, like, not needing to use a bonus action or action to draw it, and then slightly increasing stability, you could say it gets an additional plus one to hit. Mm-hmm. What would you say for increasing the critical chance range? Um, it will stack. Do you think it should last for five rounds? I think... Uh... Because I think... I think what I would probably say is from the time that you first trigger it, Uh you have it for five rounds. If you get another kill on the second round, the crit chance increases again, but now you're down to only four rounds left. I feel like if you've got a thing going and you're keeping momentum. Maybe we should make it only last for three rounds. I think so. Okay. I'm really excited. I guarantee you someone's probably already made like an ace of spades on D and D beyond. And it's probably super overcomplicated, but I, I, I love 
taking as literal of an approach as possible yeah. to moving something from a video game into D and D. But yeah, so I th- I think it would be super super cool to do like destiny themed abilities and yeah. things like that and and weapons in D and D. I think there's a ton from this game <clears throat> to pull from. Yeah, for sure. I know that there was a project happening for a while called D and Destiny, where they were like actually making a Destiny TTRPG based on the D20 system. Uh-huh. So it's not that project wasn't really like putting Destiny into D&D, but it was more like wrapping D&D around Destiny. Yeah. I would love to pull Destiny stuff into D&D because I think the classes and subclasses of Destiny characters could really really easily be D&D classes. And Probably. Subclasses. Super, yeah. super easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the Just from the little that I've played, the way that the classes work isn't really like anything that exists in D&D or even what they reference as their name, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it would not be a one-to-one. No. Like, oh, this is definitely that class. It's very unique. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's pretty nuanced. There are I'd aspects say. of some of the classes that show up in certain subclasses, specifically in Rogue, for, like, um, hunters in Destiny. Um, Rogues have some similar abilities Mm -hmm. to the hunters in Destiny, but still so freaking cool. So at the end of our little brainstorm session here, (laughs) which is fun, we should do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have the Ace of Spades. It's a revolver with a range of 60, uh, 120, 1d8 piercing plus 1d6 fire damage uh, plus your dex mod. Memento Mori. When you kill an enemy with this weapon, increase your critical chance range by one for three rounds or until you see or until you score another kill, increasing your crit range again. Uh, Firefly. When you land a critical hit, you cause a 10-foot radius explosion dealing 3d6 to all creatures uh, 3d6 fire damage. We yeah, call it, I forgot to. To all that. creatures <laughs> within the radius, unless they succeed on a DC 14 deck save, taking half damage on a success. Yeah, not worded the most uh, <laughs> concisely. I think. Uh, I think there are just a couple things that need clarification, like the fire damage and uh, uh, what was the other? Oh, the fact that uh, for Memento Mori, um, when it resets, the... it resets. Landing another crit resets it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. A... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is solid. And and when when you mentioned that someone has probably already made this, I, I did uh, type in Ace of Spades into into D and D Beyond Homebrew. Oh no! And I, you you are right. Like the stuff I'm finding is quite complicated. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, and I I think our concept here is is a pretty damn good adaptation. That makes me really happy. <clears throat> I love Destiny. I I used to play the shit out of it. It has fallen off of my radar as far as what I want to play because it's kind of... It costs too much money to keep up with everything oh, that's really? going on now. Yeah, they're just... They're doing... They've done too many DLCs and there's too many... Um, uh, like, 
season passes yeah, and things like that. That's unfortunate. <clears throat> it really is. And the the worst part about it is that you can't you there is never a guarantee that you will get the gun or the armor that you want. It is all RNG. Yeah. So you just have to grind and grind and grind That's and rough. grind and grind and get lucky. So like I, I had some friends that played for like three weeks and they got the season pass and they maxed out the yeah. season pass and they got lucky and they unlocked all the exotics uh-huh. in like one week and they were like, yay, look, I'm done. Yeah. And, I was, and I never got them. I, and to just, my understanding, yeah. the game has gone through phases of like, like pretty <laughs> good, um, like fan base health. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, a lot of the fan base, it's really funny. They love the game. They hate Bungie. Yeah. And they will sit there and go, you ruined our game yeah. like all day long. <clears throat> but that's why I have D and D because I make my own fan base. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It's true. <laughs> Oh man, this has been a very fun exercise. I'm I'm glad we got to just spend an episode on yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we had so much more stuff like prepped that we could have talked about, but this was really really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll we'll get around to this. Uh, that being said, holy God, please send your shit in. Please talk to us. Adapt something, or yeah, ask us to adapt something. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Whichever it is, we'll do the you research. Should, you should send your request or your suggestion to someonegreaterpod at gmail.com or at someonegreater on Twitter. Or comment your shit under any of our social medias listed in the description. That is true. We read those comments and we sometimes bring them up and talk about them on episodes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more, I don't know, stuff. Summoning. And homebrew. And homies. Bye bye. <laughs> See you. <ya. laughs>